Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash malicious compliance video. While these stories may be malicious, one not-so-malicious thing you could do is to hit the like and subscribe buttons down below. That said, our first story of the day is by Muad Dib of Arrakis. Just write exactly what I say. A few years ago, I spent the summer at Grandma's house. It was reasonably fun overall, painting with my aunt and grandma and going to the beach. But there were, and still are, moments where my grandma can be difficult to wrangle. I love her nevertheless, which is why I'm happy this ended with laughter. At one point, she asked me to transcribe an email for her, so I sat down to type. She started talking until she misspoke a word. I believe she said beluga when she meant Bellagio. Well, my grandma didn't appreciate my correction and, quite crossly, insisted I copy her words down exactly and refrain from editorial remarks. I shrugged and continued typing. About halfway through, her dog grabs one of her shoes and thus begins about 10 minutes of cursing, pleading, and pulling, as she tries to retrieve her beloved Birkenstocks. I gleefully typed this all out, and soon enough the whole matter was done with when the dog fell asleep. Grandma resumed her train of thought, finished the email, and told me to hit send. Grandma, are you sure? Yes, Paul, I'm quite sure. Now please send the email. I shrugged and complied. Later in the day, she got an interesting response from her friend, showed it to me, and I told her what she told me, to type out exactly what she said. Nothing was said about not typing the profanity. We all had a good chuckle after she clarified the situation with her friend. Well, if you're gonna get upset and yell that you have to take down exactly what they say, then you shouldn't be surprised when everything you say is taken down. If you were in this situation and the dog takes your grandma's Birkenstocks and runs around, Would you be typing down the profanity she declared while running around the house? Or would you hold a little bit more restraint with that? Let me know in the comments down below. Our next story is by Anvesh Parab. Not eligible for petrol allowance at your level. Fine. My friend V has a job that entails a lot of paperwork. When the pandemic hit, they adapted. However, when restrictions were eased to allow travel for work, he used his personal vehicle to get to work, as travel by public transport was not allowed. When he submitted his claim for the petrol, he was told that at his level, he was not eligible for petrol allowance. They suggested he could take a cab instead. So that's what he did. The cab fare ended up being 2.5 times the claim he put in for the petrol. The guy who laid down the rule finally saw the light and made an exception to the rules. I mean, I don't know what this company's thinking, but did they really think a cab fare every single day was going to cost less than just filling up your car and driving it? Maybe most of the workers were closer than OP's friend was or something, I don't know. This next story is by Dramanite. HOA didn't like the three inches of our tree on the sidewalk. I'm living with my parents temporarily and came home to my dad bitterly putting on his jacket and boots. He's not the type to express his frustration, so I asked what's going on. Apparently the HOA, who has only sent us a letter once in the 12 years we've lived here, 
send one today nitpicking our yard. Our Christmas tree was three inches on the sidewalk and was a hazard to pedestrians walking space and didn't align with the tree maintenance code that doesn't allow overgrowth onto streets or sidewalks unless eight feet tall. This also affected the tree across from the Christmas tree, since that thick branch you can see cut out was 7.8 feet tall over the sidewalk. There were a few other nitpicky things, but the letter at the end was like, you have a week to fix this or you'll be charged $50 a day till it's fixed. We recently got a new head of the HOA, who's gun happy to fix the neighborhood, since the old HOA president was pretty laid back during their last years. The letter was pretty passive-aggressive too, with specific measurements, direct quotes from the code, and a speak about keeping the neighborhood nice. I think my dad was even more mad because he's been working on the yard all week to make it nice for the winter, and had just the Christmas tree left. So he told me, well, if they want it done that fast and are going to be hounding me the moment it's overgrown, then I don't want to risk it becoming a problem over the winter, which resulted in the image you see here. We measured the overhang, it's 8.3 feet. In his words, it ain't pretty, but it's within code. No expected rebuttal from the HOA, as they haven't sent another letter, and this was three weeks ago. My dad's only concern is the tree having a dead patch, but he's been meaning to get a different tree, since that one's coming close to being as tall as our house and is too much upkeep for him and his full-time job. Plus, he's getting a bit older, which makes the outdoor work harder for him now. Luckily, all my life, I haven't lived in places with HOAs. They seem nice, like the houses all look great, and that's the point, right? But I would just hate to pay a ton of money to live in a place where one random day you get a letter in the mail saying, hey, we're going to make you pay $50 to $100 a day because a branch from your tree is slightly poking out over the sidewalk. Or the fact that in most HOAs, you got to keep paying HOA fees just to live there. It just doesn't seem worth it to me. And our final story of the day is by Tapioca Fumble. Work on this music knowing there'll be many problems down the road? Okay, I'm an audio engineer. Around five years ago, I was working at a very high-end facility with some amazing equipment. The studio looked beautiful, it was quite amazing. Most of my time at the studio was spent recording musical artists and mixing their tracks. I was booked for an eight-hour block to mix some pre-recorded tracks that a producer was going to bring in. To clarify, mixing a song means taking all the individual instrument recordings and balancing volumes and applying effects. After a song is mixed, it's sent to a mastering engineer who puts the final touches on it and makes it ready for distribution. In most cases, especially if it's through a record label, the mixing engineer and mastering engineer are two different people, since they're two different art forms that utilize different technologies. I like to research my clients before they come in, so I did some poking around on the internet and found out very quickly that the producer coming into the studio is a very accomplished producer who's worked with some amazing artists. I was thrilled. I hadn't worked with a producer of this caliber before. We'll call him the producer. I made sure to get as much information as possible from the studio manager so that I could come into the session well prepared. My manager forwarded me an email from the producer that said they were just mixing a few songs. I asked if I was getting an assistant engineer to help. My manager told me that they actually requested that I don't have an assistant. That was a first, but I shrugged it off. I got to the studio and prepped for as much as I possibly could. 
The producer and the band that he recorded arrived, so I started getting files and such from them to start mixing. As I'm doing this, I started to see a lot of red flags. The producer brought in 10 songs that he needed mixed and mastered today. Typically, I'll mix two songs in 10 hours, maybe three if I'm hauling and not taking ear breaks and such. Furthermore, he wanted it to be mixed on our large recording console, the giant desk with all the buttons and faders and such, essentially bypassing the computer. I let him know the following. 1. Mixing 10 songs in 8 hours is going to be very difficult, and I'll have to sacrifice quality moving that quickly, but I'll do my best to mix all the songs in one day. 2. I'm not a mastering engineer, but I have experienced mastering and can give them some masters that will suffice. I'll provide files they can send to other mastering engineers as well. 3. Mixing on a console instead of a computer means that it will be way more time consuming since I'd be turning physical knobs, pushing physical buttons, and connecting gear with cables, and keeping track of all of this. It also means that if they want any edits or changes after today, they'll need to book the studio for at least 2-3 to three additional hours, so that I can set everything up again exactly how it was. I figured that since the producer had worked with such amazing artists before, all of this would make sense to him. I got the impression that he either didn't care or, more likely, didn't realize. He was very nice, but quite dismissive and essentially told me to mix it on the console. To add to my stress, I started finding all sorts of mistakes and issues in the recording that would take more time to address. Despite this, we worked really well together. I felt I gave him more than enough information about my concerns, so I complied with his requests. Knowing full well that we were going to face a plethora of problems down the road, I got to work as fast as I could. The producer was quite eccentric, but we got along nicely and he was thrilled with some of the tricks I was pulling out of my hat to address all these issues. At the end of every mix, I'd take copious notes on what physical buttons were pushed, what cables were connected to what, etc. I did this for every client I've worked with just in case they ever wanted to come back and make edits to the records. Normally, I'll have my assistant or intern do this, but they specifically asked not to have an assistant or intern around. I was able to get through each of the songs somehow. I was honestly impressed with myself. The song sounded good, but not good, as I didn't have enough time to make them good. They were happy with the mixes. The producer seemed quite surprised that they sounded the way they did so I took that as a compliment. We ended on a good note, so I thought that was the end of it. A few days later, I get booked again for two hours. We normally don't book two-hour blocks, it's just not worth it. However, I agreed to the two-hour because there was another eight-hour session booked directly after, so it worked out perfectly. The studio manager didn't quite understand what I'd be doing in those two hours. The client was very vague and wouldn't answer any of our questions, about what they wanted to have happen in those two hours. I show up for the session, and the producer from a few days before was there. Before I can say hello, a car that costs more than what I make in two years comes whipping through the parking lot. The guy just jumps out and begins barking orders at me. I put together that this must be the executive producer. For background, an executive producer is essentially the guy that knows nothing about the process, but has the money to fund it. It's a fancy name for the person who pays for everything. As he's barking orders at me, about 10 more ridiculously expensive cars pull in. 
I learned that the executive producer brought possible investors for his new record label into the studio to listen to the mixes and watch the executive producer manage a production team. After the executive producer greeted all of his investors, he instructed everyone to go into the studio. I tried to get him alone to talk to him before, but he responded with, I'm going to do all the talking, you're going to do the work. He clearly wanted everybody to see how good he was at managing a production and such. He asked me to pull up the first song to play for his investors. I told him that if he wants to make any changes to the songs, I need at least two to three hours to set everything up before we can make changes. I told him I could play the songs for his investors, but I can't make any changes unless I take the two to three hours to set it up. I also said I can't even do that today since I have another client coming in two hours. As I'm saying this, I see the producer behind him smiling, clearly getting a lot of satisfaction from this. The executive producer literally turned red with anger and started yelling. I honestly couldn't understand half of what he said. When the executive producer stopped yelling, the producer cutely said, I told you so. That's when I realized that the producer had actually been the one who maliciously complied with the executive producer, to some degree. This is my favorite part. The executive producer handed me a hundred dollar bill and said something like, You have ten minutes to set it up. He did this in front of his investors. I'm not sure what he was thinking would happen. Some of them literally laughed out loud and walked out. I was sick of it. So, I maliciously complianced, knowing that I could never set it up in time, making the executive producer look bad in front of his investors. So, I started setting it up anyway. I didn't take the $100. As I was setting up, one of the investors came up to me and asked if I was actually able to set it up in 10 minutes. I told him it wasn't possible, so he turned around and walked out. About 10 minutes later, they all left because I didn't have everything set up yet. Later that week, the producer came back to work with me some more. We had a great working relationship from that point on. I talked with the producer about this whole thing, and he said that the executive producer hired him to help get this record label off the ground. The executive producer apparently didn't listen to anything the producer advised him on and treated him very poorly, so the producer decided to just comply with whatever executive producer wanted, knowing full well it wouldn't work out. He got sick of the executive producer's antics and just wanted out. The producer informed the executive producer about everything that would go wrong before they booked me for the mix, and the executive producer completely disregarded him. The producer told me that the executive producer didn't want an intern or an assistant at the studio for the mix because he only wanted high-end music production people there. If assistant is in their title, they don't deserve to be there. It turns out that all the investors pulled out, and the band started to sue the executive producer for copyright infringement. That's a separate issue that I have no info on. You know, if a job regularly has an assistant, it's usually for a very good reason. You mean to tell me that this big executive producer doesn't have any assistants anywhere? I mean, that just goes to show what they think of assistants. And it just goes to show that even if you have a lot of money, You can't just throw money at something and make it a success. You've got to find the right people and listen to the advice they give you. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. So of all these stories I've read today, which is your favorite and why? Let me know in the comments down below. 
And if you haven't yet, if you could like and subscribe, that would mean a lot to me. Whatever you do, whether it's liking, subscribing, turning notifications on, all of it helps grow this channel and I appreciate the heck out of it. So until next time, I'll see you all tomorrow with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.